Corey and I joke around about what song is going to precede the sermon, and it's really for real. And I suppose it's the Holy Spirit of God doing a work in the hearts of his people that uh, moves me by the songs that we sing. But that one today is just magnificently powerful. And uh, that's a hard one to remain composed over when you are singing such incredible truths like I why would we ever fear anything when we are in relationship with this king of kings and lord of lords that we sing about we have no reason to fear anything the life we live on this earth is such a short time in comparison to eternity that we're going to be able to to spend with him face to face I am ready for that day but I also am so happy to be able to celebrate together with you the life that he has given us here in him. And uh, so today is, I don't know what to call it, session three. It's the, it's the final word, the final message from our marriage conference um, that began uh, Friday night at somewhere around six o'clock. And our marriage conference, uh, just a recap, just to, to give you an, uh, a reminder of the things that we all have walked through together. And for those of you who weren't able to be there, um, for you to understand some of the things that we uh, wrestled over and addressed over the course of the last, well, uh, Friday evening and Saturday morning. And so here's what we have. Um, the, the marriage conference was called Marriage, the Profound Mystery, and the profound mystery of marriage is that our marriage, that when a man and a woman come together in relationship, um, they join together, it is their, their given purpose that the relationship they share would represent the relationship that Jesus Christ shares together with us, his church. And so a profound mystery um, that we addressed and we spoke about this past weekend or, or continue to speak about. And also understanding this, when we come together, God intends, because he wants us to look more like him, the intention of the marriage, the marriage is a breeding ground for spiritual growth. And what we need to continue to understand, my marriage, while God wants me to experience joy and happiness in it, it is not, that is not the, the first and foremost um, goal of our marriage. Our, the, the first goal of our marriage is this, it's to honor and glorify God. It's about us becoming more holy and more like Jesus Christ. And uh, so that, that, was, that was the theme that continues to be the theme as we work through this passage today. Um, but, but you sat through the main sessions with Bjorn and then Bjorn and Jasper yesterday, but some, uh, is, there were two breakouts on Friday night, there were two on Saturday, and, uh, and I'm wondering how those have impacted you. Jasper, he spoke on how idolatry breeds conflict in the marriage. And so when we determine there are things that we are placing before God in our marriage, and whether it's peace or healing or refreshment or whatever it would happen to be, that very thing that we would pursue above relationship with Christ, that becomes an idol and then it becomes a disruption in our marriage. Then Bjorn, um, Bjorn had the great boldness to speak about intimacy in marriage and uh, what intimacy in marriage is supposed to look like. And Glenn, yesterday, he talked about what it's like to parent in marriage, and I hear it was specifically addressed towards discipline. How do we discipline our kids? And then, if you were in my breakout session yesterday, you know that sometimes our marriage is not what we expect it to be. 
And so what do we do when our marriage, we experience these seasons of exile, a place where God doesn't intend for our marriage to be? How do we respond in our marriage when we are in places like that? Well, I don't know what your expectations were for coming into this marriage conference, but uh, I'm, I'm supposing that some may have entered in um, to this confer- uh, conference into, like, they're in a season, you're in a season of despair right now. Things aren't going the way you want them to. Things are very hard. You come to the marriage conference expecting to walk away with hope. Maybe some of you came in with hope And some of the things you've heard have driven you closer to a place of despair because you're seeing, oh my goodness, we're just missing it as parents. Oh my goodness, our our marriage seems to be in this place of of exile, a place where, where there's no joy, there's no happiness, and there's no true fellowship between husband and wife that may be filled with idols, as Jasper spoke about. And you're realizing, wow, when I thought my marriage was a a seven or eight out of 10, I'm now realizing I'm closer to like a two or three. I'm not sure what your expectations were coming into the marriage conference, and I'm not sure what they are today. But one thing is for sure. One thing is for sure. That trusting God's path for our marriage is the right place to be. Trusting God's path for our marriage is the right place to be. When you came into relationship with your spouse, here's what happened. Psalm 139, you took this stake in the road that God determined you should walk and you, you sunk it deep into the ground and you said, we agree with God that we are brought together to, to declare the glory of the Lord in our marriage. That's, that's what began. Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So when you said your vows, you were agreeing with the Lord, yes, this is us, we are to be married, and it's our goal to represent Christ and his relationship with the church. If you remember Psalm 23, there is this place that God walks us down this path of righteousness that is completely for his sake. And as he walks us down this path of righteousness, he is determined in our marriage this place that's a breeding ground for spiritual growth. He is determined to make us look more like him, to make us to be more righteous. It's for his name's sake that you would look more like him. And that's all awesome and great and fulfilling when things go the way we think they should go, when they are going the way we expect they should go. But what happens when God's chosen path gets dicey? What happens when this path of righteousness takes you into places that you don't want to be? When you believe your spouse is acting in accordance with selfishness, when, the, when you believe that you are missing the mark on what it's supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be as a husband or a wife. Proverbs 10.25, I want you to, to develop an image now. When God's chosen path gets dicey, when the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Now keep in mind, God's path that he has determined for us is determined to make us righteous. And when the tempest comes, so I want you to think about your marriage. Now listen, if you are not married, 
the passage we're about to look like completely applies to you. So, so think about the first verse, and we're coming to this, but I, I want to draw you in as well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so right now, for those who are married and maybe are in a season of despair or would like their marriage to be better, would like their spouse to respond a certain way or me to be a certain way, I want you to think about this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, okay? So what is, unmarried person, what is the thing right now that you struggle most to trust in the Lord with. And so as we look at Proverbs uh, chapter 10, verse 25, when the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. And here's what we know, whether it's marriage or some other area of life, storms will come. And I'd like to challenge you right now, maybe some of you are in the midst of a storm, maybe you have just come through one, maybe you are looking down the path, down the road, and you are seeing a storm ahead of you. But when they come, the proverb says, when they come, what will be on the other side of that storm? Someone that has lived a life or represented wickedness, or someone that has lived and represented righteousness? God is determined as the tempest comes, as the storm comes to walk us through. He is determined that we as his children would come out on the other side expressing and being righteous and holy. That's what God wants from us. And that's often how it's revealed is when it comes when we come through the storms. So if you would, trusting God's path for your marriage. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. And I know this, most of you are very familiar with um, verses 5 and 6. But read it together with me. Here we go. Today's word comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So develop the image right now. To trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding and to throw aside our own wisdom. And to choose to not do things that are evil, they are, it's easy. It's easy to overlay our lives and our marriage with this passage when things are smooth, when there is no storm. But it's hard when the storm comes, isn't it? And I know, I know many marriages in this church are dealing with varying degrees of storms. From the gentle rain shower to the hurricane. I know that marriages in this church are dealing with all different kinds of storms and tempests. So let me, let me help you further develop an image of what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart. All right, here we go. When I was just a child, I don't know that I was 10 years old, the place where my father worked, um, they had just purchased this three-wheeled machine that had a bench seat in the front, and on the back it had a bed in order to transport things. 
And so my father had access to this, and the place where he worked had access to hundreds and hundreds of acres of woods. And if you know I'm from South Central Pennsylvania, there are lots of hills and ups and downs and turns and twists. And so my mom and my dad were sitting on the bench seat in the front, and then the three of us, my brothers and I, were in this bed in the back. And we came to this place where we were faced with this hill through the woods, cut out of the trees, that was very steep. I was provided with the opportunity in that moment to trust that my dad knew what he was doing, but the hill down scared me to absolute death. I wanted to get out, and so I started to get out. My exit point was to the left, outside of the side of the machine. There was a copperhead laying right there, right next to the machine. And my dad knew it. He saw it. He was doing what he could to deal with the situation. He's, he's measuring whether or not we should go down this hill. But this snake is right beside me. And I'm in, I'm in terror in the back about the hill, not the snake. And so I start to get out. I'm like, I'm taking my chances with the snake. I am not taking my chances with the hill. And I'm expressing in the moment, I do not trust my father to know what he's doing going down this hill. I saw us all wrapped around different trees the machine laying upside down in fire, I would rather take my chances with the snake. And so based on the insistence of my father, I stayed in the machine. He took care of the snake. We made it down the hill and he proved to be trustworthy. God has placed us at the beginning of of this course that he intends for us to walk together as husband and wife. He intends for us to walk, to, to walk on ourselves with him. We are looking down, we are, see, we are looking down the road, we're seeing all different kinds of things. While it is straight, it is still filled with things that are going to challenge our ability to trust in him. You and your spouse are, spouse are shoulder to shoulder and God is calling us to trust our paths for our marriage to him. So there are four things I want to make sure we take away from this passage today, okay? So here we go. Here we go. Trust God's path for your marriage. By doing that, you must first accept that this is on you. Now look at this. You must accept that this is on you. But wait a minute, I thought you just told me that I am shoulder to shoulder with my spouse, walking the same path. Psalm 139, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So here we stand, here we go. How is this simply just for me? Well, seven times in four verses, it says your. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from the evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Seven times, seven times, it's made clear to us that this is on you. Trusting in the Lord is on you. Well, well wait a minute. But what if my... What if my wife chooses to not trust in the Lord and take her own path? So keep in mind, he's established you both on a course that he intends for you to walk, the path of righteousness. 
And imagine it this way, all along the path of righteousness are exit after exit after opportunity after opportunity for you to decide, I am not going to go the way that God wants me to go. And he's saying to you, trust in me with all your heart. And the temptation to take the side road is always there, especially when you're in the middle of the tempest. But isn't it both up to both of us? The passage says this is up to you. Here's what makes this hard. We like to point the finger. We like to play the blame game. This is what makes it hard. When we come into a relationship with each other, you are looking at a relationship that is initially developed, yes, God-ordained, but is initially developed by two different people who experience two different pleasures with two different purposes going in two opposite directions because they want to be fulfilled in their own way. And God says, even if your spouse is pulling you in a direction that you do not want want to go, even if your spouse is responding in your marriage in such a way that it's causing you to question whether or not I should stay on this path of righteousness, what this proverb is saying to us, this is up to you. You must accept that this is on you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This is on you. That's the first one. You're like, man, we're through that one already? This is gonna be a short one, and it might be. Let's see what the Lord does. Look at the second one. To trust, to trust God's path for your righteousness means that you must know the goal. Okay, put yourself again in the midst of a storm. And some of you, that's pretty easy to do right now, but put yourself in the middle of a storm, all right? Now, I want you to read this passage. What do you most desperately want in this situation? You are in the middle of a raging storm with your spouse. What is the thing you most want when you read that passage? I've asked a number of people this very same question. And when the tempest is raging, this is what most people say they want. Healing to their flesh and refreshment to their bones. That's what I want. That's the goal. The goal is that we get out of this storm and we experience refreshment and that we experience healing. What happens when we are chasing the wrong goal? When we chase something that God bears responsibility for, We take those things and we turn them into idols. Healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. I'm going to chase healing. I'm going to chase refreshment. Our goal is not healing and it's not refreshment. That is the outcome that we must entrust to God. And here's what makes this hard. Yes, we all want healing and refreshment in times of great trouble. 
But if we make those the pursuit, we make them idols. We are determining that's what I'm going after instead of after God himself. And when they become idols, they corrupt our ability to trust in the one that we should be trusting in. So as you look at this passage, that last verse, verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. What makes that? Hold on a second. That's the outcome. That's what's up to God. And we must patiently wait on him to bring that about in accordance with his plan and in accordance with his time. Remember, all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. He has already determined the things that you are going to walk through in order to stretch you and strain you you and convict you and rub off your rough edges and make you look more like Jesus Christ. His, His plan in his time he brings, the out, he brings the outcome. The goal for us is verses 5, 6, and 7. That's our goal. Not refreshment, not, not healing, but that we would trust in the Lord with all our hearts. That we would not lean on our own understanding. That we would acknowledge him in everything we do. And then we entrust to him to make our paths straight. That we would not be wise in our own eyes. And that we would fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Our goal is verses 5, 6, and 7. The outcome is up to God in accordance with his plan and his time. Here's the third one. To trust trust God's path for your marriage is this. You must trust the Lord completely. These are simple truths, aren't they? it's so hard when we're in the middle of something we don't want to be in. Look at, look at the passage again. Trust in the Lord how much with all your heart. You know what trust means in this passage? This one's hard. Trust means lying flat on your back helplessly. Recognizing there is not a single do, thing I can do right now for myself to help myself achieve refreshment and healing. It's entirely up to God. Right now, some of you are saying, in my marriage, if I lay flat down on my back helplessly and trust in God, guess what? My husband is going to walk all over me. My spouse is going to walk all over me. But God is saying, I want you to trust me. Trust me. How much with all your heart? This is what it looks like. God has determined your path. Look at verse seven. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart means that you're going to fear him. He knows what's best for you. Our our capacity to see and understand and make decisions is so limited and so simple. He is our sovereign God that is able to see past, present, and future and knows exactly what we need And so to fear the Lord, to trust in the Lord means that I'm going to fear him and I'm going to accept the path that he has for me to walk. It also looks like turning away from evil. So as you're trusting in the Lord, you're lying flat on your back and your spouse you believe is walking all over you. Here's what that would look like. This is the way Paul Tripp looks at at it. 
in your marriage, if you are trusting in the Lord, you are choosing to turn away from evil. I am not going to retaliate when I'm mistreated. It means I'm not going to avoid the hard truth when it needs to be spoken. It means that I'm going to grow in patience and affection for my spouse. It means that I'm going to pray on his or her behalf. It means that I'm going to choose to continue to walk shoulder to shoulder with my spouse no matter how messy the storm gets. That's what it means. Two things I want you to write down. Two ways to express that you are trusting the Lord with all your heart. There are some times when we walk the course that God has laid out for us that our spouse is behaving in a way that is not honoring to the Lord. But instead of attacking, how about you do this? You graciously speak the truth. Trusting in the Lord means that you are graciously able to speak the truth. You don't beat or cut with the truth. You provide it with graciousness, with a desire to see your spouse change, not see your spouse pay. Here's another one. Here's what it would look like to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to turn away from evil. Instead of being someone that is unapproachable in your marriage, you are someone that becomes humbly approachable. You no longer defend yourself. You entrust your reputation to the Lord. You look for the truth that is being spoken to you. And you choose to use it in order to make adjustments in your own life. You become in your marriage someone who graciously delivers the truth and is humbly approachable. Recognizing that God is asking my spouse to lay flat on his or her back and trust in him. I want to make that easy for my spouse. Trusting God's path for your marriage means that you must trust him completely. All right, here's a fourth one. In order to trust God's path for your marriage, you must resist the temptation to control. Look at verses five and seven. Verse five says again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it says, do not lean on your own understanding. Look at verse seven. Be not wise in your own eyes. We're not to lean on our own understanding and we're not to be wise in our own eyes. What develops our understanding? What develops our wisdom? Here's what it is. It's our own personal experiences. My own experience, what I see when my husband isn't doing the things that I wish he would do. When I see my wife seldom satisfied with the effort I put in. I develop my own understanding. I develop my own wisdom based on the things that I see. My own experience is determined by also what I feel, the things that hurt. For some reason, the things that hurt speak more clearly than the things that don't hurt. And I wonder if that's often why God brings us through these storms is because he knows that there is pain in it that will get our attention, that will turn our focus and our eyes back to him. 
My own understanding and my own wisdom is determined by what I feel, the pain I feel, and also by what I do. I see when I'm treated a specific way and I choose to respond in a certain way, in retaliation, I'm learning that I can bring something very effective into my marriage in order to get my own way. My understanding is developed, my wisdom is developed when I see things, when I feel, and then the outcome of the things that I do. Other opinions also help determine what we, what we understand, cause us to lean into our own understanding. Listen to this. This is a good one. Good counsel is necessary. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says that without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And so, of course, God wants us to go after wise counsel. But what happens when you're in marriage and hurt is delivered to you? Guess what we like to do? We like to inform others how we've been hurt. But I want you to understand something. As you are delivering the information to someone else about how you've been hurt, you need to understand that you are sharing your side entirely. How you've been hurt. Quick to to declare what wrongs had been done to you. And whether you intend to or not, you are painting the whole scenario into your favor. And so as you are declaring how you've been hurt, how are you influencing the one that's going to give you counsel? You are going to them to influence them to give you counsel that's going to justify the way you think you need to respond in the flesh, which is not trusting in the Lord. We resist the temptation to control We have to do that if we're going to trust God's path for our marriage. My own experience determines my own understanding. My own, or the opinions of others, just a reminder, the the opinions of others help direct the way I lean on my own understanding. But here's another one. When the storm lasts too long, I am driven to a place of impatience. God, I want out of this now. I want out of this now. And so as you are walking this course that God has determined for you, and you see exit after exit, when you see off-ramp after off-ramp, you are tempted, we are tempted to lean in on our own understanding, make a decision that is not God-honoring, not trusting him, but we must resist the temptation to control. Ultimately, what we're saying is this. When we lean on our own understanding, when we make decisions based on our own wisdom, we are saying that we want to be Lord of our lives because we believe we know what's best for us. And that's not the message of this passage. The message of this passage is to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to not lean on your own understanding. So to trust God's path for your marriage means this. Four things. You accept that this is on you. It's on you no matter what your spouse chooses to do. You have to know the goal. The goal is to trust and, and, and entrust the outcome to God, the healing and the refreshing. You must trust the Lord completely with all your heart. And then finally, you must resist the temptation to control and turn it over to the Lord. So here we go. 
I see this image on my board, my whiteboard in my office. God has determined, once again, he has laid out a course for each one of us to walk shoulder to shoulder with our spouse. And this is what he intends for us. He intends for us to say on it. And as we walk this course together as husband and wife, what are the storms you see coming? What's the storm you're in right now? What are the things in your life that make you want to exit this path of righteousness that the Lord has determined for you to walk in order to make you look more like him? When he's saying, trust in the Lord, he says, I want you to go this way. And he says, I know you see the storm, but guess what? I'm with you. Trust in me. Trust in me. That is far better for you than deciding to lean on your own understanding and taking one of these off ramps. Because here's what's going to happen. When you decide you know what's best for you, you lean on your own understanding, this is what you're deciding. I see relief. I see healing. I see refreshment. It looks easier. But I will guarantee you this. Those off-ramps will be riddled with snakes, copperheads. They'll be riddled with pain. Things that God is going to use to get your attention. And so, if you choose right now to leave the path of righteousness that God has laid out for you, if you choose to not trust him and make your own way, you can expect things are going to get more rocky than if you would have chosen to stay on the path he had laid out for you. Here's what's going to happen. If you are a chosen child of God and you are in a relationship with him and you are trusting in him, this is what's going to happen. You will continue down that off-ramp experiencing bump after bump after bump and you're going to run headlong straight back into the cross of Jesus Christ. He will not let you persist. He will not let you persist. He will open your eyes to the very thing he did for you. He's going to remind you what he went through, every temptation he endured. He's going to remind you of the mistreatment that was brought on him, the lies that were spoken about him. He's going to remind you of these things. He's going to remind you that even when his reputation was tarnished with lies, he didn't open his mouth. He's going to bring you to a place, drive you to your knees before him in a place of confession, and he's going to take you and he's going to place you right back at the head of this course that he has laid out for you, giving you another opportunity to trust in him and to not lean on your own understanding. Spouse, this is something you need to understand is true for your husband. If you are the wife, it is true for your wife if you are the husband. You are determined by God to walk in this way. And some of you have trained yourself year after year after year. The exit ramp is where I need to go. The exit ramp is where I need to go. I need to trust in my own way. I need to lean on my own understanding. So here's what you need to understand. The grace of God is sufficient for your spouse as much as it is for you. 
So let that drive you to a place of patience as they take the exit ramp, as they run headlong into the cross, as God takes them and reestablishes them and says, okay, let's try this again. Here we go down the path of righteousness. We're going to go down this together. I want you to trust in me. I know you're going to be tempted to lean on your own understanding and take your own way, but it's time to trust in me. And guess what? We, we, have, we teach ourselves over and over and over again, I can't wait on the healing and refreshment. I'm going to make my own decision, and I'm going to go my own way, and I'm going to read headlong into the cross because that way was awful. Christ is going to take us, receive us, forgive us, reestablish us, and this is going to be our life together over and over again. God will not let us go our own way if we are his. He has given us so many reasons to trust in him for our marriage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And here's the hope. If you're looking for a piece of hope, here's the hope. As you trust in the Lord, no matter the storm, as you trust in the Lord, no matter what your spouse does, he promises you that he will bring you healing and refreshment. Here's what that looks like. God will give you a heart of empathy and affection for your spouse. Healing and refreshment looks like attacks stopping, retaliation becomes nothing. Healing looks like this. You'll actually like to see your spouse coming home. It means you'll actually like to come home. It means offenses will become less offensive and more easily forgiven. And those offenses will happen less. That's what healing and refreshment looks like. I have a a cautionary word for some. For those who are tired of trusting and you're at the end of your rope, there are some that have chosen divorce, and that's not honoring to God. And then there are some that choose, all right, you know what? I know, I know, I know divorce is dishonoring to God. So let's just remain married. And they live their lives married yet unmarried. There's nothing in their relationship except they choose to not get divorce that is honoring and glorifying to God. I'm asking you, determine to trust in the Lord with your marriage and let him bring healing and restoration and refreshment to your marriage. Your marriage, if you are remaining married, yet not wanting to be married, is not honoring to God. It's time to repent of that. It's time to seek his forgiveness and it's time to trust in him. One final word. If you're in the middle of a storm, it's time to, I said this to the group I was with yesterday, it's time to settle down. I want to leave you with this. If God determines your path for you, that's exactly where he wants you. And he says this, Jesus says this straight to us in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we do things the way Jesus intends for us to do them, we will find rest, we will find refreshment, we will find healing. Even if his yoke seems unpleasant, he promises us that is the place where we will find rest and refreshment. I pray for your marriage. 
I pray that God does a mighty work. If you are struggling with trusting him, I pray that he brings you to a place where he proves himself over and over again so much that it becomes easier and easier for you to trust him. Father, we come before you now in prayer. Such magnificent truth, Lord. I pray that your word proceeded and impacts the hearts of those that have heard. Lord, do a mighty work in each marriage. I pray, Lord, for the ones that are tempted to give up, Lord, that you would, you would lean on them. You would press out their own understanding and their wisdom and you would help them to trust in you. Father, for those marriages that are continuing strong, may they be, may their marriages be an expression of your righteousness so much so that it drives others to consider what it might mean to trust in the Lord and have my marriage look like that one. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.